When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's podcast is with Doug Meacham, inside receivers and tight ends coach at TCU. We had a little bit of audio trouble at the beginning here in the recording, and we're going to get into it with the first question here where I asked Coach about how he got his start in football. See, my senior year in college, I played in the Sun Bowl, and I was planning on going to Colorado living in Breckenridge being a ski bomb for a year. And um, I'm sitting at the bar with my roommate, and this guy named Glenn Wolf came up and sat next to us at the hotel bar. And his son, Mike Wolf, uh, was my roommate. He was younger than me and my, my friend. And he asked us, do we want to be grad assistant coaches at NEO, which is at JUCO in Oklahoma? And I, I, I looked at my buddy, he looked at me, and I said, yeah, why not? So that's how it started. Uh, I didn't, never really plan on coaching. And the guy that left was a guy named Robert Nunn, who's coaching the NFL for the last 16 years. And um, so from there, I went to, you know, I went and GA to NEO. I came back to Oklahoma State for, I guess, a year or so. And GA did, and then I got hired at Georgia Military College in Georgia. Uh, Glenn Wolf actually left NEO and took that job. He, I went with him. And I was there a year as the O-line coach, and then the next year, I was off in the coordinator. He had left, and my buddy was sitting next to me at the bar. He was the head coach. So um, from there, I met Hal Money and Mike Leach there at Bow Off the State with Chris Hatcher and all those guys. And we did a uh, round robin practice with them, kind of like the OTA, you know, whatever the NFL does, you know, a joint practice. And, uh, kind of really just kind of started talking to those guys about airway and all that stuff and uh, hired one of their grad assistants and, uh, you know, ran airway ever since. I think the only three years I didn't run airway was the three years I was at Oklahoma State with um, Larry Fedora. He wasn't, he was kind of airway. He had a lot of other stuff that really wasn't airway. So, um, did that. Got hired at um, let's see, Jacksonville State. I was OC there. Uh, went from there to Henderson State. Was there a year or two. Uh, went from there to Sanford for a few years. Uh, no seed. And I was at Oklahoma State as their tight ends coach. And then eventually I was coaching receivers and was like passing game coordinator or whatever. And Dana Holgerson came over and we worked together for a little bit. And, I took the OT job for a year. And then Gary hired me here at TCU for three years, 14, 15, 16. And I was at Kansas for basically a year and a half. I got fired in October and then got hired back here in January. So that's, that's kind of my, my route in terms of jobs and whatnot. But 
Um, always been, you know, air raid for the most part. So, and air raids, I think, I think people, people will run the mesh route and say they're air raids. That's really not what air raid is. Uh, the, the only true air raid there is left is uh, Leach, really, to be honest with you. He's the only one that really runs it. I think, I think all the other guys like Dana and myself and, you know, even Cliff and some of those guys, we still have those principles in there, but it's, there's other things we do as well, you know, a uh, little more uh, prevalent and, you know, some of the RPO stuff, everybody's so shot and ass about. So uh, there is some of that in there. Uh, but all the concepts in there are in it. And how you keep yeah, and I was I was gonna say with air raid, it's not just about the plays and the playbook. It's it's about the teaching and how you go about doing things. And and having talked with you know Hal before on this podcast and 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 Tony Franklin, you know those guys will talk a lot about the methodology behind it. So for you, what were some of the what are I guess still some of the most important things in and how you're going to be able to put this together not just from a playbook standpoint, but from how you practice it and continue to teach your players throughout the season? Yeah, I mean, first it's the install part, which is traditionally your spring and your two-a-days, you know. And it's always the same. If you talk to any of us, I feel quite sure it's always broken up into three in the thirds. So you have you have your install, you have, you know, your five categories, you know, your run game, your quick, you know, your uh, – Screens, your play action, three game drawback, and you divide it all into thirds. You have a day one install. So what's good about it is when you do it that way, it's all compartmentalized because you don't run. It's not a comprehensive exam. It's like, okay, first practice day one install. Here's these eight or ten plays, and then the next practice you don't run any of those plays anymore. You go to the next day of install. Uh, and you run those eight or ten or twelve plays, and then the third day you do the same with a whole other set. And then you usually like have a scrimmage, your fourth practice or a half scrimmage. And you'll come back to day one, you'll run the same play types, but maybe a different formation with a different motion, with a different uh, wrinkle to it in terms of formation or motion or whatnot, uh, an alignment, you know, things like that. And it's good because the kids know exactly what to do. You get good reps, you get good film, because all you're really after at that point is, is film. You know, you're after film, you're after cultivating the next guy, teaching the younger guy, um, finding out who can do what. And the only way you find out who can do what is they're playing full speed. But if you're running out there handcuffed mentally, and it's hard to identify what's on. So, and even for me, it's easy for me to teach it, it's easy for me to call it and coach it and when it's just a handful of things in daily increments and stuff and just repeating, you know what I mean? So that's what you do through spring, then you go through, you know, off season after spring and summer reflecting back on all the film you got out there and all the assessments you make from, you know, uh, what you can do better, what you do better, what you need to improve upon, what you can do what, who's the next guy in line, and, and then you do it all over again in August, you know. Uh, so... That's kind of a critical part of it, uh, you know, in general. I think another important aspect of the air raid or, or, or the style offense that a lot of people run, in my opinion, I'm going to take a page out of Mike Leach's book, is it's not necessarily 
how you know run pass ratio is how many different people touch the ball. They dispersion of the ball. That's that's what balance is to me. Um, there's a million times I've called a 50-50 game where I actually call more runs and passes, but with the box numbers and whatnot, I mean, it, it sometimes ends up being more pass and run and things like that. So, um, you know, sometimes with this ORPO world, uh, you, you just kind of take advantage of what they're doing over there. So and it, it's just something that happens in between things. But um, I just think when you're simple, you can take more time to learn defense as a receiver. You can learn coverages. You can learn, uh, you know, leverages. You can start with man zone. Is it man or zone? Is it single eye, two eye? Uh, is it many? Is it six? Is it other bracket? And all this language to understand what kind of holes you need to be in and where you need to be, what's your location. The other thing I think it's critical is concept, not, not route tree teaching because. Um, I think when you're out tree teach, all you know, like you're running an eight route, that's all it is to it. You're, you're running eight, and that's all you're focused on. When you learn it, uh, the concept, and say you're playing a wide receiver, you know what the Z's doing, the H is doing, the X, about, you know what everybody's doing. So you know your, your parameters are as to where you can hook up or locate yourself based on coverage because you know what the guys on either side of you are running because you learn the whole route. And it's the same thing as the quarterback. I mean, he can visualize and picture the whole route in his head, not just guys say 894 swing shoot. Um, so to me, the concept portion of it and the one word stuff of it, the simplicity of it, the speed of it, um, I don't think there's near as many rules and sophisticated stuff. And there's a lot less paralysis through analysis, I think. But at the same time, it's not just snap the ball and go wherever you want to. Here's my route. Now, how do I win on this route without interfering with the continuity of the route based on coverage? Uh, so, those are some things I think in the system that are uh, important. So, you've mentioned that you know Mike Leach is the only one really really doing the true air raid anymore, and you've been able to incorporate RPOs. You've you've used some irregular formations. Um, and I think with, with any offensive coach, I mean, there's always a starting point and there's always an evolution of who they are and, and what they're able to use. But how have you been able to incorporate some of those things, I guess, into that base framework of the air raid? Well, it really kind of started when I got with Dana because Dana, Dana brought a little bit more run game. And then we, uh, we he, you know, he, I, and Joe Wickline, we developed that whole three-back stuff that kind of went crazy for a while. Uh, which really all that was was a way to get Justin Blackman single free access coverage out there. You know, because a lot of times you get three backs, you get quarters and cover three, and you can play action, throw stops and outs all day long until they go cover two or they cloud him, and then you just run football. But um, just a lot of the bells and whistles with the motions and stuff, because Leach never was a huge motion guy back then, and the toss. You know, the uh, the thing that Bob Stitt actually invented was the toss um, with the inside receivers or, out, you know, uh, running, you know, some people call it fly sweep. I call it toss because we're actually pitching the ball to the guy. And, and from there, it just developed in some other things. And nowadays with this whole three down, two, four eye, zero nose defense stuff, you, it's kind of morphed in. you got to have some gap scheme in there because you just can't line up and run inside zone all day long. 
just the evolution of defense has kind of triggered some evolution on our side of the ball in terms of what we do. Um, because there for a while, that whole double cloud business was an issue, you know. So I think we've kind of got some answers now uh, to that stuff. Now, with the uh, toss that, you know, I know uh, guys got together with Bob Stitt and learned that, and um, I guess the argument has been that it's a faster way to get the football to the edge. I mean, I know there's some advantages in it. Um, what, if it what are you, like, best about uh, the, the toss as, I guess, the, uh, the exchange for the speed sweeps? Uh, it's a pass. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think the biggest thing for me is if it is, uh, if the exchange is uh, fouled up, it's an incomplete pass. You know, and I think the I think the sweep guy can go faster because when you work on the timing of it, the ball's in the air and he runs through the ball. The ball's just sitting there lobbing in the air, and he runs through the ball. I think he can go faster. Uh, I think that exchange may slow down the the, the the motion just a little. And then it's the whole, when you're running like power read, counter read with the motion, I, I think the guy definitely has to slow down. And then you have some exchange issues, you know. Um, but I think I think the guy can hit it run a little quicker. Um, that's just my opinion. And and then if it is a, an exchange malfunction, it's just a, it's an incomplete path. Yeah, for the for the first time ever this past year, and, and and I'm in you know just outside of Cleveland here in Ohio, uh, Baker Mayfield threw an interception to a defensive lineman on that play. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say him because he actually they ran a play action off of it. Yeah, where he actually tossed the ball up in the air like he was tossing it to the receiver, and uh, he caught it and it was play action. The quarterback he tossed it to himself. Yeah, that was. Uh, I think he did that two two years ago. I don't know that they used it this past season, but yeah, I remember that. And I thought, you know what, that that's uh, really brilliant in terms of uh, just what you're trying to do. You get used the defense used to see it. as soon as that ball pops in the air, it's a run, and now all of a sudden he's got it again. Yeah. I thought that was a, a pretty innovative use of that play. Pretty cool. I mean, it may happen by accident. I don't know, but I know that. Um, you know, and when you're bringing him across just for the action, you know, you teach him to turn his, turn his numbers to the quarterback and have low hands and draw flies, you know what I'm saying? So uh, you completely turn and try to fake and draw flies when you're not getting it, even when you know you're not getting it. It's, it's, it's pretty useful because you can read, you know, you draw flies and read the run bumper spin, you know, RBS. It, it helps you know what side to be on as a QB. Uh, and it just kind of, it looks kind of similar, you know. Um, and uh, just like anything else, it's, it was kind of cool at the time. It was, it was new. And then you just kind of do it, and that's what you do. Because you, you spend a little bit of time working on that. It takes a little bit of time to you know when to snap the ball. Teach the receiver not crowd the quarterback and do the yard in front of him. Because what they do naturally is almost run about three inches in front of the quarterback and they can't get the ball. You know, there's several little things, but you got a little space in there. Uh, it has time to manipulate the angle of the call to see it, but sometimes you can get out in front of it. Uh, it. It takes a little work. So once you get it in, you work it, you want to just run it. So that's, that's the other part. Yeah, now with um, 
that that type of a sweep. I know initially when I saw uh, Dana doing it at West Virginia with the guy who was in the pistol and the quarterback, you guys were, I think, I think they even ran some speed option, but at least faking speed option back the other way have, you know, what was the thought, I guess, of any kind of complimentary type plays off of that toss? Oh, well, I mean, there's always, there's a lot of things you can do it. Uh, one, you know, uh, it's, it's the fact that you can use that as a screen RPO where you actually turn your shoulders, you can bring it through, snap it a little later, and you can run like a bubble, like a ram screen out of it with your motion with the inside zone. Uh, it's good for play action because you get that split flow, uh, and it grabs more attention of the backers and helps create some air for your scenes and your crosses and things like that in your play-action game. Uh, when you study motion tape and see what kind of reaction they have to that motion, you know, it helps develop a uh, run game, play-action, RPOs, you know, everything. Because if, you're a, if you spin the motion or if you bump the motion or uh, – you know, all these different things, the idea and you develop a plan based off of that type of motion. So it helps you uh, kind of, uh, um, you know, design some things uh, with that. It's, it's also a way to hide plays, like you use motion to hide. A lot of times you're trying to hide screens. Like you ran the slow screen in the back a certain way last week, and you add the motion to it to try to draw some eyes, and you got it going the other way. You know, just a lot of things like that. Really, it's a lot of, uh, you know, study motion to see how he adjusts that, that type of motion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and kind of shrink them a little bit. You know, you can force them into 3D if they spin. You know what I'm saying? Right. And you can kind of manipulate what they do uh, based on what the consistent percentages of them, what they adjust to the motion. You know? So as- Hell, just ask Noel. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to. <laughs> No, no throws more offense than anybody on the planet. So. In in looking at you know your your evolution here with the different things you've added into your office, what's really I guess been a, a mainstay past concept for you? That past concept that you know you've loved no matter what you guys have been doing. Uh, well, four verticals is where it ends again. You know. And, and all the little tags with it and the shallows and uh, how we seam read it and all that stuff with the receivers and Y cross 95. Those two out there, uh, they'll, they'll be around forever, you know. Uh, and if you look at it, like when I was out of work last year, I did a three-year study on all our TCU stuff. Those were the two top drawback routes, hands down. Nine, uh, 90 and 95. Um some of the other stuff um, is very good. You know, the mesh route, obviously. I think the mesh route is kind of making a comeback a little bit. Um, I like mesh a lot. Uh, I like all curls. Um, those, are, those are kind of staples. Sail is another staple. Um, shallow is the other one, kind of like a drive, a little drive package, however you want to, you want to phrase that. But... Um, those are always constant. You know, you're, you're what we call eight 
or, or some people call it smash. It's, it's actually smash, but it's, it's a little, there's a little bit more to it than what the normal smash is. And eight, stick, jet, uh, you know, double slant, smash, all that quick game stuff. I love quick game. We have a lot of quick game. I think it's more clear. It's how you build it from side to side, I think. You know, if you're playing team after single high team, two high team, and, and there's their own team, you build quick game that fits either or that way your quarterback's never handcuffed. They have man's own team, you have a man side, zone side, and you build it that way. But it's nothing new, it's just concepts that exist that you get from side to side with, you know. So, um, uh, stick, I don't think there's ever been a game in my life I didn't say shit on stick more, you know. It's, it's not sexy, but at the end of the day, it's, it's easy. Um, I think that in the world of, uh, I think in the world of RPO, the quick game is dying. You know, a lot of people don't run quick game right. anymore, which I, I, I'm kind of going the other way. I'm kind of tired of hearing all the RPO crap because uh, it's very good. Um, I think it's good to take advantage of the run fit guy, you know, be it the safety or the alley defender or whatever you got there, the extra defender. And, but I think defenses have kind of caught up a bit. I think they do a good job of baiting you in the handoff region and folding back into the box and getting nailed, you know I mean? They they do a better job of, like, playing just – they just sit, you know, and then react a little later than they used to. They don't bump with motion quite like they did. They, they go late, you know, um, so I think for the quarterback, just being able to have the ability to just hand the damn thing off occasionally is good for a quarterback. Uh, I think every hand, every run play, there's an attachment to it. I think that poor kid can't rest, you know. And, and like I said, it gets a little bit gray yeah. as to whether to throw it or not. You know, I think I think they're doing a better job defensively with trying to manipulate people that are big RPO teams, and so many people do it. All day long, I, I just you know I, I think if you have ten run plays in a game plan, I think you have about six, five to six RPOs, and you got a few you just hand thing off, and and maybe a fast screen or something, which to me is not an RPO, it's an RF, so, you know, a little screen or whatever. But I'm talking about sticks and glances and quick outs, you know, true RPO game. I, I think we're kind of going a little bit different direction there. Uh, Maybe not quite as much. You know, you watch USC with Graham Harrell. I mean, they run quick game. It's beautiful. Uh, it's clear. It's simple. Uh, it's low. And, and answers and don't answer. Uh, it's a little bit more clear for that kid, you know, to me. It gets a little junky, though, if you know. Yeah, well. Not, not good. I, I'm not crushing RPOs. I mean, obviously it works because everyone's doing it, but um, I, I just don't think it needs to be an every run play thing. Yeah, and you do hear a lot of teams that, uh, you know, they'll call themselves an RPO-based team, and you'll ask them about their quick game, we really don't have quick game, and just as you said, um, you know, not not wearing that quarterback out, not, you know, especially if things are frustrating, if things are gray, you probably feel then, you know, exactly like, hey, we got to hand it off sometimes. It's like we're just going to, we're going to, you know, throw quick sometimes without thinking about do I hand it off or do I run it and, and finding the advantages in that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying it's good, but I mean, you know, 
the option plays good, but I'm not going to run it every play. You know, quarterback runs, you got about numbers, you can run it every snap, but you're going to get him murdered. You know what I mean? It's just like, um, I just think, um, I don't know, maybe it's just me personally. No no reflection on anybody. Really. I'm just kind of tired of hearing about uh, RPF. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, yeah. Now, now, if you want to know a no game, I mean, yeah, anyone else. I mean, there's a lot of people now. We have all of it. I'll tell you a funny story. About five years ago or six years ago, uh, me and Sonny Combe and a couple guys were sitting in our office, and uh, high school staff came through and wanted to talk to us about our plays, and they were sitting there, and the coach started off with, well, Coach Meach, uh, we'd like to talk to you about your RPO game, what you do in your RPOs. And I looked at Sonny, and he looked at me the same way, and we were like, what? What the hell is RPO? I mean, we didn't know what it was, you know. Uh, and, and come to find out, I mean, we've been running RPOs for years, but we didn't call it that. You know, stick draw and right. all these fast attachments, that's been the decade, but we didn't have the cool name to call it. So I, I swear against I didn't know what RPO was. So what, is, what does that mean? So um, we didn't know. <laughs> it was like just a few years ago, you know. Yeah. You know, I've I've seen so much of either the man or or you know some of the match coverage to as answers to RPO, and then this year, really more than anything, it seemed like everybody in at every level ended up with mesh or or shallow in their playbook as as uh, an answer. Saw a lot of it run this year uh, across the country, every every conference, every division. It was. Um, but like you said, it doesn't mean they're an air raid team, but I have seen a lot of teams running a version of it. Now, I think in talking to to Hal a few months ago is, you know, his comment was, well, it's not not really the same mesh, right? It's going to look look no, like they're that. No, they're, they're, they're just running. You're talking about the route that it's real popular. You free release swing the back end of the boundary. It's mesh, and then you have a guy, another receiver, hook up about 10 to 12 over the ball there, right? That one? Yeah. That's not mesh. It's a one, two, three read. They're going from back to the, the mesh guy coming from right to left. You can start to the left. It just goes back, mesh guy, to the uh, the guy that's on the OT 10 to 12. That's not, they're not reading mesh. They stay on the run. They don't hook up. Yeah. So it's, it's not. It looks like mesh just because there's two guys running shallow, but it's not mesh. I think if you talk to uh, if you talk to Noel, I know they run that one. Yeah, yeah, he does. With uh, well, Noel runs everything, right? No, he runs it. I don't know if he runs everything, but he he knows every play. Noel's a good friend of mine. He'll laugh. Don't worry <laughs> about it. <laughs> Noel's, Noel's one of the best guys in the whole profession. Yeah, he's a great guy. Um, he's great. The, He's not a hundred, but he may be seven five. So. <laughs> well, I was on a Zoom with him the other day, and, and uh, T- Taylor was on, and, and uh, his grandson. So we know he's a grandpa. Yeah, he. he uh, I love Taylor too. I spent a lot of time with him when I was out there. Uh, you know, whenever that was, um, and and Kevin took care of me. It was a lot of fun. I learned some football and hung around those guys. Let me hang around, even though I'm the guy that's you know out of work. So. It was, I appreciate it. their generosity and hospitality. It was awesome. I watched football, hung around some guys. It was great. Well, Coach, the the other thing I saw a lot of this year, and it, you know, again, it's one of those things uh, you see so many people running the shallow. But 
uh, and I want to say I first saw this maybe from Oklahoma State about a decade ago, but I saw, again, it ended up, seemed like it ended up in just about everybody's playbook was that shallow that doesn't go across the line of scrimmage, in, in the, but all the receivers are releasing to block, right? They're just trying to create space. They throw the ball just behind the line of scrimmage. Nobody's releasing on a screen, so you have us downfield blocking, no no screen keys. Yeah, they call it pick. You just, just tag pick to whoever's the shallow. Like, you can go pick, pick, Y, Z pick. And everybody else, uh, normally what it is, if you start off, uh, he was actually running a route concept, like not even, like actually running shallow, and the running back would block the mic. Mm-hmm. He, would come, he would come out of the backfield and sit in a chair and block the mic, and you just throw it to the shallow guy. Uh, a lot of people now are doing it where, like, it's third and 20. Uh, and those guys come off the ball, and everyone blocks, and one guy's running shallow. You know, it's that one. But the, the concept was just called pick. So if you wanted your ex to do it, everybody just run like 91, the, the route concept. The back would block. He'd come through like scrimmage and block a linebacker, and then you dump it to the shallow. And he caught it on or behind the line right there because you told him to run through the you know, uh, the heels of the D-line, which typically by the time he caught it, he was about uh, at the line scrimmage. Um, but, yeah, it's, a, it's actually, a, we put that in, a, in the screen category. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I yeah. think it's a it's a good concept. You know, it's a, especially you got a young quarterback, right, and it's, it's third and long, and you don't want him forcing the ball and anything. I mean, there's no read progression, right? It's drop back and, and throw the ball to the guy who's running just behind the line of scrimmage. So, I think uh, obviously you can't use it every time, but to be able to throw it in there every now and then, and I've seen some creative uses with it. I know Notre Dame was was doing a version of that where it looked like the the Texas route or the angle route with that guy back coming out of the backfield and then bending back in. Inside receivers look like they're they're running seams, but then they end up you know blocking linebackers, and you got this guy running with the ball up the middle of the field with with some blocking. So. Um, I, th- I thought the interesting thing I, I expected to see with so many people doing that, and because the, you know he still got protection back there, would be some kind of a, you know a, a fake where you think they're they're going to block and run that, and then that guy's just sitting somewhere in the middle of the field wide open. Yeah, well, the, I'll tell you the interesting thing on that play is I saw OU run that play with the quarterback draw. So if they were driving hard on the the, the 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 pit, the shallow, and the back and all that, then the quarterback ran draw. Yeah. So it was either pass to the pit or it was QB draw. I thought that was pretty interesting. I saw them do that last season. Uh, we don't do that. I thought that was pretty cool. I think I think uh, the guy over you does a phenomenal job adapting those talent. He's real smart. I worked with his brother at Kansas, and um, they're, they're, he's a great guy. He's a real smart guy, real smart. He's a good football coach, good dude. So, but I thought that was interesting. They're running what we call pick, but with their cut, they're, they're also they had a TV draw intertwined in the middle of it. So, pretty interesting. Well, coach, I know we could sit here and, and talk scheme all day, and, and you're great at it. You know a lot of it. Um, 
but when you look at what you do as a, as a coach, what's the more, most important thing you do? What's the thing that really, you know, ultimately gives your guys the winning edge? Well, I, I think a couple of things beyond recruiting, which is probably the most important thing. Um, once you get them and once you have them, I think, I think there's a lot of things to learn. Um, there's a lot of guys that have to adapt to college and how much harder it is than what they're accustomed to. So I think the most important thing to me, uh, which is what to me makes the difference between a, a good coach and a bad coach. I think there is a such thing as a good coach and a bad coach. Um, I think good coaches are guys that handle the day-to-day issues with kids that are, you know, those are the guys that are good coaches. Bad coaches that, that kind of mismanage players throughout the week. And that, I'm not just talking about game day and practice. I'm talking about everything. You know, I think I think it's critical to handle kids um, from Sunday to Friday in an appropriate way and, and be there for them and deal with all the issues because, trust me, they all got them. And so do I and so do you. But, like, um, you're, you're expected to be there for them when, things aren't going right at home when, when the academics are falling apart, when they're just frustrated, when they're struggling in the classroom, when, you know, even when they have social issues, you know, girlfriends, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that, that's what a good coach is. You know, guys you just kind of show up and drive his nose on the board all day long. That, that, to me, that's not, that's not what coaching is. We, we do so many more things than coach. Uh, I don't know, probably 20% of what we do is coaching. Right. The rest of it, manipulating, handling, and, and uh, you know, dealing with players the right way. You know, that, that's what's important to me. And then just coaching-wise, if you simplify it, the two most important things is making sure that they, they play with fanatical effort and make sure they're in the right spot. You can do those two things. It doesn't matter who you're playing, where you're playing them, if it's raining, nothing. Fanatical effort, be in the right spot. You simplify it and you internalize it like that, it's easy to play a game of football, you know. A lot less mental gymnastics. Yeah, definitely. Coach, for our listeners out there who uh, might be in the, in your recruiting area, where do you recruit? Well, I have, um, you know, the, I have the Dallas-Fort Worth area here and the Metroplex, and then I also have uh, Southern Cal. And I go to Florida a little bit with some of the out-of-pocket stuff I do. I've been recruiting those areas for years, but uh, my home base is right here in the DFW area. And uh, our, our listeners, you can follow him on Twitter. It's at Meacham underscore Doug. And, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to talk ball with us here on the podcast. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Um, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. 